Welcome to Design 30. My name is Jason Bilyeu, and in this podcast, I provide design strategies and tools to improve creativity, innovation, and overall design confidence. In today's episode, we will be discussing how to reduce design complexity. And this topic came from a question that I received on Instagram, actually. And that question, uh, the person asked, it would be interesting if you could make a podcast of how to reduce design complexity. And this is complexity of design as a result of overthinking and how that impacts costs and how it can be a huge time saver when you design something. And I love this question. I love people reaching out on Instagram with questions. Um, It's really helpful. It gets me thinking about new things. And right now, uh, I also really appreciate it because it gave me a great idea for the podcast this week. So please reach out with any and all questions. Uh, I can't guarantee that I will answer all of them. But if it's design related, I will do my best. I think this questioner brought up a a few really good points when it comes to design complexity. One is that it often comes from overthinking. And overthinking often comes from a lack of clarity and a lack of direction in your design. Uh, And then the other good point they brought up was cost. When your complexity takes off without a need for it, obviously your cost is almost always going to scale with that complexity. So right here, there's two very good reasons to reduce your design complexity. You don't want to overthink things. And number two, you don't want to drive your costs out of control because if you're running a business, uh, one of the biggest things anyone will preach when it comes to running a good business is paying attention to your costs and making sure you keep those low. And so during your product development phase or for your product development uh, part of your company, obviously you don't want your costs to get out of control. You want to make sure that you are designing and dumping money into things that will actually help improve the product and help uh, create a product that actually has value to your customers, which will in turn create value for you and for your company. So I came up with five basic points to help uh, reduce design complexity, and I will be going through those in this episode. So the first one is you need a clear and concise uh, need statement. Number two, you need to define your product requirements. Uh, This is really the what of your product. What is your product going to be? What defines a good product? what defines a minimal viable product, things like that. And then number three, this is translate your product requirements into design requirements. And these design requirements are really the how. It's the how of how you're going to create this product. You have a product requirement, how are you actually going to meet that? And then number four, create a schedule. Uh, Deadlines lead to decisions. That's kind of the point here. Uh, They don't always lead to good decisions, but ideally they'll lead to good decisions. Uh, But you need some sort of pressure. You need a schedule to work towards and need deadlines to help decide what's in scope and what's out of scope. And then number five, all of this, all of these first four points 
are in an effort to help create clarity for your project. So many projects suffer from a lack of clarity. You don't really know exactly what the need is you're trying to meet. You don't know what your product requirements are. And if you don't have those, you're obviously not going to have well-defined design requirements. And then finally, how are you going to create a schedule if you don't even really know what design requirements you're trying to meet, what product you're trying to create, and which or what need you're trying to solve? But before we get into all of that, I want to mention, as always, please follow to the Design30 on Instagram, also on Twitter, and please sign up to become either a free or a paid subscriber to the Design30 Substack. Also, I want to mention that there are a lot of products available on Montana Everyday Carries website. Uh, as you may remember, I've been and currently am still working with uh, Montana EDC to create uh, everyday products, everyday tools for people. And yeah, it's been a really good experience. So please go check out that website. It's montanaedc.com. And there's a lot of new products available. Uh, they're in stock right now. So go check those out and yeah, make a purchase and make great gifts, make great birthday gifts. There's some awesome bottle openers, which you'll probably need for the summer as we dive into barbecues and all those fun things. So yeah, just want to make a, a quick plug there for Montana EDC. So go check out their website. Okay. Now getting back to these five strategies that I've come up with to reduce design complexity. The first one is need statements. Again, need statements are incredibly important to your entire design project. Uh, this is what gives your design direction. It's essentially the bedrock of your whole design project. So you need to make sure you get your need statement right if you want to provide clarity, and if you want to prevent complexity from creeping into your project over time. And so a need statement needs to be short. That is one uh, very important aspect of it. You don't want to be this long wordy statement that's uh, difficult to understand and hard to uh, really see or really pull out what the need is. It needs to be short and it needs to be clear. And you also don't want your need statement to infer any solutions. Uh, it really should be only focused on what's the actual need of the user that this product is going to meet. You don't want to infer like, oh, well, they will need uh, to use a car to do this or a, a hose or a knife to do this. You don't want to infer any solution in your need statement. So. An example of a bad need statement would be a brush that removes a lot of plaque from teeth. Uh, so here, why is this a bad need statement? Well, for one, it infers that you need to use a brush. Um, maybe you don't need to use a brush to clean teeth. I don't know. You, there could be a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, so in your need statement, don't infer the solution because uh, that's going to help direct or that's going to... Uh, direct probably where you go during your brainstorming and your ideation phases. You already have a solution kind of built into your mind from the need statement. So make sure you don't have that. You want to try and keep this open and broad and allow for a lot of different and creative ideas uh, to come out that will fill this need. And then secondly, in this bad need statement, it says that it needs to remove 
a lot of plaque from the teeth. Well, for one, a lot is not a good word to use here. It doesn't really define anything. And two, uh, why are we removing plaque? Is that necessarily uh, what the main goal? Is that actually the need? Is the need just health? Is it uh, to reduce bad breath? So there's just a little bit too much specificity in this need statement. And, and it infers some solutions that in the long term aren't going to be helpful to come up with a new creative solution. So a better way to rephrase this need statement would be a way to maintain health of teeth and gums that freshens breath. So here you're not inferring any sort of a solution into the need statement. You're being very clear with what you're trying to accomplish. You want to maintain the health of uh, the person's teeth as well as the health of their gums. And then you also want it to freshen their breath. So here there's essentially three main needs that are very well described and defined by this need statement without inferring any sort of solution such as a brush or mouthwash or a floss or whatever the case might be. Number two is uh, product requirements. And again, this is more of the what. What is the product? Uh, define what a successful product is. And here you often want to start with your MVP, and that's your minimum viable product. So what's the minimal requirements that would create a product that people actually want? Uh, you could obviously think of a product with very minimal requirements that doesn't really solve any problems. Um, it doesn't do anything that's of value to your market, to your customers. So obviously that's a bad idea. But here your minimum viable product, it needs to be viable. So you need to be solving a problem or providing a solution to your market, to your customers that is actually useful. It actually solves a need. It meets your need statement that you've hopefully or defined in the last uh, segment. And that will be your MVP. That will be your minimum viable product. So going back to the previous example, uh, you could have a product requirement of product, sh product shall remove plaque. So now it's okay to actually infer again to a little bit more of the specifics. If you're wanting to maintain teeth and gum health, um, it seems as far as I'm aware that removing plaque is a key part of that. Uh, perhaps the product shall also polish the teeth. Uh, that could be something that you believe for this product to be attractive, for it to be viable to your market, to your customer base. It's going to need to also polish the teeth and maintain the whiteness. Another one could be the product shall last for more than one month before it needs a replacement. And maybe it's two months, maybe it's three months. That's something that you'll have to determine uh, depending on what product you're actually working on. But this is where you can define a little bit more of these specifics and you know exactly what you're going for then once you start designing this product. These product requirements are really about defining what done looks like. Uh, anyone who's worked on longer projects, it can often be really difficult to tell, like, when is this project actually going to be done? Like, how do we know when we're done? Are they just going to keep adding all of these small requirements to us or asking for more and more things to be added to the product? And you can, if you have a well-defined product requirements list, 
This is something that you've signed off on with your team and it tells you what done looks like. So once you've met these product requirements, your project is done and you can move on to the next thing. And that is a hugely important aspect of the whole product design process. It's a huge aspect aspect of any project you're working on. And it's a great way to also help prevent complexity because what often happens in these projects, the longer and longer they go, complexity seems to creep in over time. There's new requirements that someone thinks of like, oh, it would be awesome if your product had this, or perhaps, you know, you should add this little feature to it. Or I heard a customer uh, complain about this aspect of our old product. So try to try to improve that on this product. And it's just going to creep in over time. The complexity of your project, the complexity of your product is going to grow and grow and grow unless you have this well-defined product requirements list that you can reference back to and say, hey, you know what? These are what we agreed on. This is what we said done looked like. This is what we said a minimum viable product was. So that is what me and my design team are. That's what we're designing towards. This is what we're going for. On a personal note, the idea of requirements has just been drilled into my brain and most uh, memorable, the mo- or my most uh, memorable memory, most memorable memory, <laughs> my most memorable memory of this um, is from when I was going through grad school and we had a project where we worked with an industry customer, but then we also had another, essentially a manager or a project team leader. I don't remember exactly what their title was. But this was another person from a local company who essentially came in and managed our small little design team of grad students. And this guy was so set on requirements. Everything we talked about always came back to requirements. And I can just picture it now of him just looking at us and saying, requirements, requirements, requirements. And I remember thinking, like, man, what what happened to this guy? Like, he must have had some experience in his, I don't know, it seemed recent, uh, where he was just frustrated with not having the correct requirements. Perhaps his uh, project leader, project manager, or product manager wasn't providing the necessary requirements, or maybe they're adding more requirements at the end of the project. You could just tell he had this, this experience where he really wanted to impart this idea on us that it's all about the requirements. Make sure you get the requirements from whoever it is on your team that's providing those, whether that's a product manager, project manager, or it's just something you develop as a team. But make sure you get these requirements uh, down, written well, and make sure that they're all, every single one of them has been signed off on by the team. So I, I'll just never forget this guy, just always you know, just ramming, ramming it into our heads of requirements, requirements, requirements. And so a huge part of that is obviously your product requirements. What is going to make a successful product? And next, it's even more requirements. So number three is design requirements. And again, here, it's more of the how. How, as a designer, are you going to pull this thing off? How are you going to meet these product requirements? Uh, Going back to our other example, how much plaque should your device, your probably toothbrush or whatever it might be, how much should it remove? Um, How fresh should the breath be? (laughs) How are you going to measure that? That's probably also a good question to ask. Uh, You would ask, how will this, if it is a brush, how will it last one month 
uh, before being damaged? What what are the material material requirements that you need to come up with to hit that one month? What are the size requirements? And then another big part of it is what's what are the cost? How are you going to keep costs down? How are you going to design this product to uh, have a low cost of assembly? So your design requirements are a lot about how you're going to design this to meet your product requirements. And that might sound a little bit repetitive, but it really, it's, it's more in practice, you'll notice the difference, uh, but there really is a difference between the product requirements and the design requirements. And the way I think about it is the product is more, what is the user or the customer thinking that they need from this product? What are they requiring from it? And you'd write those more in the language of a customer and then on your design requirements side, this is when you're putting on your designer hat or more your engineer hat, perhaps, of how are we actually going to design this to, uh, to meet these goals, to meet these product requirements. And so that could be more of the language of defining materials, uh, defining strength, how much deflection can this thing have, uh, what's the force uh, that it takes to actually fracture this or break it or bend it or deform it. So you're thinking of more of those technical things, whereas a customer probably isn't going to think in their head, well, how much force would it take for me to bend this toothbrush? Uh, they don't care about that. Obviously, they don't want to break when they're using it. Uh, they don't want to be super floppy where they can't get good force on their teeth and feel like they're cleaning their teeth. Uh, but they're not going to think in those more technical aspects. So that's where these design requirements, uh, some people uh, will also refer to them as system requirements. Uh, so product requirements and system requirements is another common way of defining this. Um, I like the design requirements. What am I designing to, to hit the product requirements? Uh, you're probably sick of me saying requirements at this point, um, but it's, again, requirements, requirements, requirements. It's very, very important. <laughs> and so by the end of this episode, you're gonna have uh, at least that stuck in your head. And you're going to think, oh, how do I reduce design uh, complexity? The first word that's going to come to your mind is requirements. That's my goal. Uh, obviously, I hope you remember everything else from this episode. But if you remember nothing, remember requirements. Get those figured out. The next thing, uh, number four, is schedule. And as I mentioned before, uh, deadlines make decisions. Well, they don't necessarily make decisions for you, but at least they help you make decisions. Uh, if you don't have that pressure, you don't have uh, this perhaps project manager breathing down your neck to get things done on time, it's going to be a lot easier to be like, well, maybe we don't need to figure that out yet. We can push that out a little bit farther. Uh, you know, we'll figure that problem out eventually. It's like, no, you need to have a schedule. You need to have a timeline and then you need to make decisions. Uh, these are, I mean, the schedule is what drives the project and it helps you one of the big things is it helps you toss scope. Um, often, again, if you've worked on a longer project, the scope tends to really creep and creep and creep and creep over time. But if you have a schedule, it makes it really easy to, uh, to tell whoever's uh, adding that scope. Again, it could be a manager of some kind. Maybe it's a new feedback from the customer. But you can't, or at least it's really difficult to make the argument to not include that new scope uh, if you don't have a good reason and schedule is often one of the best reasons. So 
you can tell them, hey, we can't add this complexity, we can't add this scope due to the schedule constraints of this project. If we wanna hit this timeline, then we're not gonna be able to add that. So that's a really good way to help prevent complexity from growing, to help scope creep on your project. And overall, just adding clarity, once again, adding clarity to the project. And it's more, I would say schedules are more, obviously you need to hit your dates, but they're more about helping you make the decisions than anything else. Um, again, most projects uh, end up don't uh, not meeting the dates. Often they're late, every now and then they're early, but how often do you actually hit the date you initially set? It's probably close to never, uh, depends on your industry for sure but it's really more about helping you make decisions. That's the main goal of having a clear, concise, and well thought out schedule. And it is a bit of a necessary evil, a necessary stress. I do think obviously schedules and deadlines do create stress, but again, you gotta have some stress. You gotta feel some pressure. That's gonna help you make decisions. And finally, number five, as I just mentioned a few seconds ago, this is creating clarity. You need to create clarity. Complexity tends to grow out of disorganization. When things are unclear, it's really easy for designs to get complex. You add more features to your product. You're not really sure what your user need is or what your product requirements are completely. It just gets really easy for new ideas, new features, new complexity to just, it's almost, uh, I guess it's kind of like entropy, right? Complexity tends to just increase over time unless you're actively working to reduce it in your product. I mean, entropy is always increasing, but you can reduce entropy in one area uh, while increasing it somewhere else. And it's kind of the same thing with your product requirements. Uh, uh, well, let's think. This might not be the best analogy, but really there is potentially a lot of complexity in creating your need statement and creating your product requirements. But once you have those, they create a lot of clarity, which in the end creates or reduces the complexity of your project, reduces the complexity of your product, and overall helps you have a more efficient project, a more efficient design process. And at the end of the day, helps you deliver a product that's not overcomplicated and meets your customer needs, has value, provides value, and overall makes money for you and for your company. So again, the less clear, the more complex things tend to get. Uh, all of these steps I've talked about help provide clarity. Your need statement provides clarity on what your customer needs and what you're actually trying to provide. What's the need you're trying to meet? Your product requirements provide clarity on what is this product? What, what is absolutely required for this to be a viable product? And then what are your design requirements? You need clarity on those. How are we going to design something uh, and design each feature, each part of this product to meet our product requirements? And then finally, obviously you need clarity on your schedule and your timeline or else you're not gonna be able to make decisions. You're not going to know when things are due. What's You're not gonna be able to set priorities on what's more important. Uh, often you have multiple tasks that you're working on for a project and you need a way to be able to set priorities. And your schedule is a huge part of that. And having a clear schedule helps drive clear priorities. So all of these things at the end of the day are about creating clarity. 
And one other point I want to make on this, and I guess going back to complexity is, I'm not trying to say that complexity is inherently bad. Obviously, complexity is relative, and it depends very much on what product you're working on, what you're work looking at designing. If you're designing an airplane, there's a lot of inherent complexity that is necessary and crucial to that plane flying and not crashing. So we all want that kind of complexity. But if you're designing something like a screwdriver, like that, you don't need too much complexity with a screwdriver. You can have really clear need statement that what you're trying to provide to the user. And then you can have some a couple clear product requirements, uh, be clear on how you're going to design to meet those requirements, so on and so forth. So something like a screwdriver, obviously you want to drive as much complexity out of the design process as possible and produce the simple, usable, uh, high utility device. <laughs> Whereas in an airplane, you still want things to be simple. You want all of the controls for your pilots to not be overly complicated. But overall, as a system, there's just no avoiding the complexity of something that big with that many different subsystems. It's just going to inherently be complex. Uh, but that's necessary. And then for something like a screwdriver, it's not. So you really need to understand your project and understand, is this complexity necessary? Or is this just adding unnecessary complexity to a product where it's not useful, doesn't benefit us as the design team, doesn't benefit the users. Let's not go down that route. So just know that complexity is relative, depends on what you're working on. Okay, and that's it for the five main strategies for reducing complexity in design or reducing design complexity. And now I just wanna provide two quick tools that I learned from the book, uh, The Lean Product Playbook by Dan Olson, which I've referenced before. I've referenced quite a bit. It's a really good book. And if you are someone who's looking to reduce uh, complexity in your design process, if you're looking to keep yourself from overthinking and also to help reduce costs in your product development, I can't recommend that book enough. Go buy it. It's not that much money. You're going to get a lot more out of it than you spend. So, uh, Again, I'm not sponsored by them. I mean, it'd be sweet if they were he, I don't know. The publisher was a sponsor, um, but it's just a book I love. I think it's really useful, so highly recommend it. Uh, but the first tool I wanna talk about is, it's a tool that helps you decide uh, what you need or what need the, of the user you should pursue. And so here, all you need to do is create a graph on your y-axis, you have uh, a rating of the importance of the need that you're uh, deciding whether or not that's a need you want to design to. And then on the x-axis, you have your user satisfaction with the current solution. So again, y-axis is what's this need that you're trying to meet? What's the need statement that you're trying to meet or that you're going to design a product to fill that need? And then on the x-axis, well, if that need already exists, there's probably already some solutions out there. So you wanna look at what are the current solutions? And again, you're not gonna know this for sure, but come up with an estimate of what the user satisfaction is with that current solution. And so here you rate uh, from low to high on both of these. So is it a, a important or a high need? 
Is it something that you feel like most people or a large market segment needs? And then also on your x-axis, what is the satisfaction with the current solution for that need? And, and so you just rate these on each axis and do this with your team. Uh, you can do it by yourself, but it's good to have uh, a, a team to work on this and get a few different uh, inputs, different viewpoints, all that sort of thing. And then you look on this chart and see uh, where your ratings landed. And essentially, if you have something that is an important need, it rates high on the need scale, but rates low on the user satisfaction with the current solution, that's probably where you want to go. That means there's a huge opportunity there. There's a need that's not being met. People aren't satisfied with current solutions. There's a lot of opportunity there. If it's something that there is a high uh, user satisfaction with, but it's also a high need, an important need, that's a place where there's probably a lot of competition and potentially you have an idea that you believe can beat out the competition. So that's something you may potentially want to go for. Um, but if it's something that is low user or low importance, the need is not very important to people, it doesn't really matter at that point then what the user satisfaction is with the current result. There's all, not a lot of need for it. So that's probably not a product that you want to go towards. That's not a need that you want to try to meet with a product because you're most likely going to end up sinking a lot of money into the design process for it. But being something that's not very needed, you're not going to make that money back. So this is just a quick, helpful tool that you can use to you rate these needs, essentially rating the opportunity. Is this something you want to go for? Is there an actual opportunity here? Is it overly competitive? Or is it just something that the need doesn't really exist? Let's not even spend money on it. And then the second tool is more for deciding on which features you want to include in your product. And this one again has an X and Y axis. Uh, you got to plot it out. Um, I know it's kind of hard for me to explain in words. This is why I'd highly recommend you buy this book, the Lean Product Playbook. He's got all of these listed out with really good descriptions, some great pictures and graphs and all sorts of good stuff. So highly recommend, again, going and checking out that book. But this tool um, on the y-axis, you're going to rank uh, what's the return, what's the value created by this feature. You're going to rank that from 0 to 10, you and your team. And then on the x-axis, you want to look at well, what's the investment it's going to require to, uh, to implement this feature, to design it? And so here you wanna look at investment in terms of either time or money. I mean, time is money, but there's different ways of looking at it. Sometimes uh, if you're in the software world, just looking at the amount of weeks of coding time is a good way to think about this. Um, so it really depends on your industry, what you want to put on this axis but it's some sort of investment, whether that's time or money or something else. And so then here you just start rating the different features you're thinking about. This is what helps you decide on which ones to pick. So if you have something that is low investment, but has a really high return, it's gonna have, it's gonna create a lot of value. That's obviously a feature you want to include. So that's gonna be something that is close to the Y axis, but then far away from the X axis. So that means it is low on investment and high on return. And then if you have something that's low on return, 
this is where you really need to look at investment then. If it takes a lot of time or money to create it and it doesn't create any value, yeah, let's not go for that feature. If it's something that it's a low investment but also creates just a little bit of value, there you might have to have a little bit of discussion with your team. It could be worth throwing in to help just, well, perhaps that brings in a few more users, uh, widens your market base slightly, could be worth it. And then again, another one that you'll probably have to discuss with your team and with this is where managers come in handy, perhaps even uh, the higher ups, the CEOs, people uh, of that sort of seniority can come in and make these difficult decisions. But this is one where your investment's high, but also the return and the value created is also high. So you're high on both. And in this case, that's where it gets a little difficult to decide. Maybe you have to look at your financials and decide whether or not you can even make this initial investment. Um, but it could be something worth going for because, again, there is a high rating for the return. There's a lot of value that is potentially going to be created from this feature. And so... That's just two tools that I think are beneficial. They help reduce complexity because they're simple tools. Uh, they help provide clarity. It's an easy way to uh, rate your ideas, to rate your features. Uh, it's an easy way to look at the different needs or different products that you're looking at going after. And just, yeah, work with your team. You create ratings for them, plot them out on these graphs, and that's gonna help give you a lot of insight into what's worth going after, what's worth focusing on. And that's all I have for this episode. It was a little bit longer one. Um, I hope it was useful. I hope this will help you uh, reduce your design complexity. I hope it's going to help you save costs. And again, I hope these tools will help you um, or at least prevent you from overthinking your designs. The more tools you have, the more strategies you have, you don't need to get caught up in these overthinking cycles. You just, you know the strategy, you go for it. Implement the strategy. You have a tool for it, bring that tool in, work with your team, create some ratings, whatever the case might be. And that's going to help provide clarity. That's going to let you know what to pursue. Overall, just add some definition to the project, to the product, whatever you might be working on. So again, just a quick overview, the five strategies that I recommend implementing to uh, reduce design complexity is one, you wanna have a clear and concise need statement. Number two, define your product requirements. Number three, translate those product requirements into design requirements. Requirements, requirements, requirements. It's all about requirements. <laughs> Again, if you take anything away from this episode, take away requirements, they're important. Number four, create a schedule. Your deadlines are gonna to lead to decisions. And then number five, remember all of these things are an effort to create clarity. Clarity helps reduce complexity. You could say clarity drives out complexity, at least unnecessary complexity. Again, complexity is relative to what project or product you're working on. But yeah, so those are my five strategies for reducing design complexity. Uh, again, please follow Design30 on Instagram. Reach out with more questions. This one was super fun. And I'm really glad that you, you know who you are. You reached out and asked a great question, which gave me something to work on for this episode. So please don't feel bad. Don't feel shy. Reach out. Slide to the DMs on Instagram. Shoot me an email. Whatever you feel most comfortable with. Uh, also, don't forget 
If you haven't already, become a free subscriber to the Design30 Substack. Uh, I've got some ideas for a new piece, and it will be coming out in probably, probably about a week. I think I said that last week, but it's coming out soon, so become a subscriber there so you don't miss it. Okay, that's all I've got. Remember, design more, despair less. Thanks for listening.